0: Let's do it.
1: And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior.
0: Hey, Colin McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. And
1: I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Gabriel Landescog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire.
0: Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads.
1: NCAA.
0: Hey, it's Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University.
1: It's Alex Turcotte.
0: Hey, it's Kale McCarve.
1: Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle
0: Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College.
1: The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from
0: uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferebee from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Hall-Lennon. Hey, it's Nicola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Everly of in Canada.
1: The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Grim Bice from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zerry from the Kamloops Blazers. I'm Alexander Holst. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanderson at play for Team USA.
0: Brandon Schneider of Katie Dooley. Here's Mark Rossi. I'm from the other Sounds.
1: And more. Excellent! This is The Pipeline Show. Welcome to the pipeline show, everybody, and welcome to 2021. And, uh, thank gosh we can put 2020 in the rear view mirror, and let's hope the new year is a much better one. Uh, welcome to the program. My name is Keith Fleming, and I want to appreciate and thank everybody who has tuned into this particular episode. It's a big one as we have, we're right smack dab in the, uh, the middle of the 2021 World Junior Championship. The preliminary round is done. The medal round gets going tomorrow, and in between, I have a chance to speak with a good friend of the Pipeline Show. That's Chris Peters of ESPN. Chris, welcome to the program. Welcome
0: back to the show, and happy New Year to you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you. And, yes, very relieved that we uh, made it out of 2020 and hoping for brighter days in 2021. So uh, always good to start the new year off with the World Juniors, so, so not a bad way to start it off.
1: A bit different though. I mean, you're one of the guys who goes to each one. Doesn't matter where it is, really. I mean, how this is the first one you've missed in how many years now?
0: Uh, you know, this is surprisingly enough. This is actually the first one in three years. So I've, I went to the last three uh, live, and yeah, so the the you know I did a lot of it covering it from home. But since I was at ESPN, I, I've gone live. But this year. You know they basically, if you weren't living in Canada, you weren't going, so that's yeah. where I'm at um and that's totally fine, you know, I think that that's we're 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 all about being uh safe and and making sure that uh we, you know we can get through this year um and and had you know get things in a positive direction, so I had really no problem uh with not being able to go and yeah you know i I think that just being able to cover it from home you know it gives you a little bit of a different perspective um than when you're there, uh, obviously, I think it's easier to evaluate the players when you're when you're in person. But I think that you know we're, we're really lucky to have the, the TV coverage that we do in the U.S. and Canada, and obviously across the world, everybody kind of uses the same feed, um, and and it gives you a really good picture of what these teams are all about, what these players are about, and. Um, you know, obviously, have to give a give a shout out to to the TV people that that do such a great job bringing this tournament to us every year.
1: Now, up here, of course, it's with TSN, so we get gordon Miller and Ray Ferraro and Craig Button and Bob McKenzie and James Duffy and all those guys. Uh, in the states, what's the uh, the broadcast team?
0: Yeah, so we have Stephen Nelson, who I've known for a long time and works at NHL Network and uh, and nmlb Network, um, doing play by play. And he's you know for a guy that's Pretty new at doing play-by-play. I think I thought he's done a great job with this tournament, uh, calling it off a monitor um, because those guys aren't there either. And then we also have Dave Starman, who's I believe done the last thirteen or thirteen or at least he's done thirteen World Juniors, Um, and so that's been really great to see uh, as well. And obviously Dave knows the player pool, and um, and certainly uh, those two guys have done a great job. And then you know for all the other games, we end up getting the TSN broadcast. Um, every single game is available on NHL Network in the U.S., which is a is hugely important thing for the tournament. Um, you know, I, this year, obviously, the, the the games as a whole, you know, it, it didn't really get good until the last day of the preliminary round. Uh, but uh, aside from the U.S. Russia game, which was entertaining as well, but you know, it's it's uh, it's an opportunity to showcase the World Juniors uh, at a time where you know, obviously, it's the only hockey going on. So. Um, really appreciative that you know the NHL network has been able to take the you know the TSN feed and obviously getting Gordon and Ray for for some of the Canada games that that you know don't include the U.S. and you know I think that they're among the best in the business uh anywhere uh at any level and so it's really exciting to be able to to see those games obviously Craig Button and and Dennis Biak and everybody they've done such a great job mm-hmm. uh bringing the tournament and telling the stories and and so uh always appreciative to have the Canadian uh a broadcast as well, but I, I, I do think that Steve and, and Dave in, in the U.S. have done an awesome job. um You know, it, it, under tough circumstances, it's not easy to call these games off a monitor, and I think they've done a really good job of it.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine what that would be like. I've, I mean, I've called games myself, not done the play-by-play, but as a color analyst, and uh, to do it from a studio would be really hard. I think Ray Ferraro. I don't think there's a better color analyst in the business than, uh, than Mr. Naro no. and Dave Starman, I consider him a friend and I think he's fantastic as well. Um, so we're, we're a bit spoiled with, uh, some of the broadcasters that we have, uh, you mentioned some of the games that weren't that great of
0: the preliminary round was, what do you think was the best game? Uh, the prelim- I think it was probably geez. Um, I think that, that Russia, the Russia Sweden game was, was the best one. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed, I think that there was a lot of passion in that game. I thought there was, there was some aggression. Uh, you know, you look, Arvid Kosmer, the, the Canucks prospect was just a little rat out there and that was mm-hmm. so fun to watch him really get in the craw of the silly pod Coles and who he's going to, you know, hopefully one day play with, you know, so and he was just, he was all over the ice and that, that really upped the intensity of the game. You know, I, I think you had a really gutty effort from Philip Broberg, who's obviously playing injured. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty clear that he's not completely 100%. Um, and he's just trying to gut it out. And, and then you look at that Russian team and, and to have lost against the Czechs and, and, and to come back with a response like the way that they played. I thought the first period they just completely outclassed, uh, Sweden. And then, you know, the game kind of evened out over time and then they end up getting the overtime winner. Um, but what a great pace, great skill in that game. Um, you know, I think that the Russians did a good job of frustrating the, the Swedish skill players much the same way that the Americans did the next day. Um, you know, so there, there was a, a, a little bit of a, a wake up call, I think, for Sweden in the two losses that they suffered at the end of the preliminary round. But I do think that that's good, good adversity to have for them. Um, and, and you know, certainly I hope the day of rest will help, you know, maybe Philip Roberg. Uh, get ready but they've got a tough quarterfinal against the Finns, um and so that'll be really interesting to watch but yeah but i think that 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 sweden that sweden russia game to me is what the world juniors is all about and the games that we that we live for in this tournament
1: yeah i agree i i, I didn't think it started really well it uh, to me the, right. the russians dominated that first period in sweden class them yeah only got into the game because of all the penalties i mean they had five power plays in a row that second period half the period with the man advantage, and that that seemed to get them back into the game. But it ended really well and into the overtime, and then you have the drama of can they keep the streak alive, uh, seemingly right. against all odds, and they couldn't. And uh, and that, maybe that took the sails out of them a bit for uh, the U.S. game. But uh, other than that one, I guess the Sweden, the, the Switzerland and Germany game. Uh, Germany gets out to the big now. lead, and then Switzerland storms right back, and, uh, boy, score a couple of late ones to make it really, really close. Um, and now I didn't see the game, but just uh, the even looking at the box score, you're thinking, "Holy cow, that was a, that was an exciting
0: one." It was, and you know, it, it was one of those games where it just it was classic World Juniors, where everything seemed decided, and then all of a sudden, like Germany got loosey goosey, and and Switzerland just had a few opportunities, and they just happened to have the right guy at the right place, at the right time. You know, Simon Nock had had uh, had a great you know kind of finish to his tournament. I thought that he was you know. One of the few Swiss players that you know maybe could have played for other teams in this tournament. Yeah. You know, that I, I was that was certainly the weakest Swiss team I've ever seen at the World Juniors. Um, but they they made a game of it. And then and then Germany, you know, had had some made. They had a major at the end of the game as well. Um, but you know, the other thing that I think the the German team has taught us, uh, especially with having gone through the games where they didn't have a full roster, if you have a Tim Stutzla and a JJ Paterka, if you have two guys like that. You can, you can win some games and you have to get goaltending too. And when you get the goaltending and they, you know, they have Florian Blue, Google now back in net who, who missed the first couple of games and he, you know, their, their number one, Thomas and An- uh, was supposed to be, or Tobias and It was supposed to be the number one for this team, you know, ends up testing positive and can't play, but it just goes to show you the importance of having guys like Stutzla and, and Paterka because they, took over games when they needed to, and particularly that Swiss game early where they were you know, absolutely dominant and, and the Swiss had no answer for them. So pretty impressive all around from Germany and, and very glad to see them in the quarterfinal. I think it's very deserved uh, that they made it uh, third place in their group.
1: Incredible to look at the, the scoring race in the tournament right now and see three German flags next to uh, three of the top five scorers uh, in the tournament. Like, nobody would have expected that. Nobody would have predicted that, uh, quite the tournament uh, for Team Germany. And maybe this is kind of going to lead into that, but you look at the two teams that are done now, Switzerland and Austria, both of them go 0-4. The Austrians only scored one goal in the entire event. Switzerland uh, gave up 20 and only scored five of them for themselves. At this point of the tournament, every year, there's the debate, are there too many teams? I have a, a take on it. But you're the guest. I want to hear what you think.
0: Do you think there, there's too many teams? <laughs> no, I don't. And the the reason is, you know, I, first of all, I think you need to have five teams per group. I, I, I just I think that having that extra game um, is important. I think that also the, you, to understand the World Juniors in terms of what it means for, for international hockey, you have to understand there are five levels below the World Juniors at the U-20 level in the IIHF, and this is the top of the ladder, and it's really hard to get to the top of the ladder. So the teams that do end up getting there, now you know, we used to have where we'd have two teams relegated, then they decided that they would only relegate one team per year, which I think was the right call because you lose teams like Germany for five years at a time, mm-hmm. and, and when their program is kind of turning it around, and then luckily they had the right the right players at the right time to get them back into the world juniors and allow for Tim Stutzla and, and more Seider and Lucas Reichel and all these guys to have an opportunity to play in the tournament. So the the reason that I don't think it's too many is is that that it is so hard to get there. It's not like these teams are just, you know, put in every year as a sacrif- sacrificial lambs. They earn that right. And in a normal world junior year you're giving these teams an opportunity and those players to see players that they will never, ever play, you know, like n- never would have had an opportunity to play against otherwise. It gives them a chance to see what they have to do, where they need to go. All of these players at the world juniors are all pro- in the mix to one day play at the men's world championship, which is the top of the chain of the IIHF and, and obviously the Olympics as well. And we see more teams. So, so I think you need to provide those opportunities for those countries. It also helps with funding they get a cut of the pie from the world junior revenues and all those other things. And that's important for their, for their, 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 um, you know, their, their federations and for funding for other things and to improve. Um, so that's important. You know, I think we had a few years ago, I think nobody would have said, Hey, Denmark should be, you know, should not be in this tournament. And then they, they ended up staying up for a few years and they had guys like Nick Ehlers and, and, and Bjorkstrand and all these other players that had an opportunity to play at that level which was really important for them. And even one year they made the quarterfinal. So, you know, they're, they're, you have to provide those opportunities. And if you don't, you know, those, those countries have fewer opportunities for growth and the world junior, it's a two week tournament, but it's an important event for these countries to kind of see where they're at and what they need to do to improve. And, you know, and, and we see teams cycle through like Belarus and Kazakhstan, and these are all teams that you see at the world championship level as well. Um, so, Yeah, I know it's these games, these blowout games, they're not for the they're they're not entertaining, but they also don't exist for our entertainment. (laughs) They exist to give these these other countries an opportunity to play at the top level at an early age. And for me, that's important for the growth of international hockey. And that's why I think that that it's fine the way that it is. I hope that it stays this way. And on top of that, when the tournament's in Canada, (laughs) it's another game of ticket revenue, which is the real reason that everything happens right you know so that's that's also an important thing that's why we don't have buys in the quarterfinal anymore as well so um, yeah so I think that that's that's kind of one of the things that you know I, I understand the complaints and I don't I understand that it's not that entertaining but for me personally um, and for I think for the better of the international game, it needs to stay the way it is.
1: Uh, well said. I agree 100% with everything you just said. And I think the best example is to say if we, if we didn't have it like this, if it wasn't 10 teams with one moving up and down each year, this story that's unfolding right now with Germany wouldn't have happened. And Exactly. Know, the the exposure that the, the young German fans are getting right now to this event and getting behind guys like Stusla and, and uh, Paterka, and you look in the NHL with Leon Dreisaitl, there's a bit of a a, a buzz here for German hockey that, you know, you, you mentioned Denmark a little while ago. We've seen it with Switzerland. Uh, I don't know. To me, if you don't provide that incentive for some of these teams, that growth for international hockey might not be there. And uh, so I, I agree completely with you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you don't like to see a team get beaten, you know, 16-1 to 1 or whatever it was. I, I think uh, you got to provide that incentive and that opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I will say, too, there is not a single player on that Austrian team that would trade places with anybody that's playing Division A right now. Yep. They, they are exactly where they want to be. So, I mean, that, that's also important to, to know. It's a, an important experience for those players.
1: Excellent. All right, well, let's uh, put the preliminary uh, standings in the round behind us and uh, look ahead to what's to come. And uh, the way it finished off, uh, well, Canada and the United States uh, finished on top of their respective pools do either of those shock you uh, i think i mean the 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 uh the pool that the u.s was in definitely a competitive one but i mean it, nobody would be surprised if uh if you would have said before the tournament that the u.s is going to be on top
0: right yeah i mean i i thought you know i thought russia was the best team you know in the ter- yeah. at that point and then they you know they lay an egg against the Czechs, and and then you know had had uh had their had their fill with uh with Sweden as well. But, you know, I, I, think, yeah, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a, a surprise. I mean, I thought Canada was going to roll through their group without an issue. I mean, right. I, even the Finnish team is not at a level that they're normally at. Um, and, and so that was an easy, easy call. But I, I think the U S it was anybody that, that group was really any of those teams. And on the last day in the last game, any of those teams could have finished in first place, depending on the results of that USA Sweden game. So I think, you know, the, the response from the U S uh, after losing to Russia where now they've, they've gone on three straight shutouts and have scored 22 unanswered goals since the empty netter that Russia scored against them. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive to see that. So I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily surprised that they finished first. I'm surprised in the way that it happened just because they started so poorly against Russia and then all of a sudden, boom, the switch was flipped. You know, they obviously had, you know, Austria wasn't going to, you weren't going to learn a lot from that game. I thought the Czech game was really important for them because it was, a, it was a seven nothing game, but in the early goings of that game, it looked like the Czechs were going to kind of hold them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hold them back a little bit because of the, their defensive style and their grit and their, their, their size and everything else. And, and USA found a way to push through that. And so I think that that was a really important victory in it, but yeah. So, I mean, that's, and that's how they got to, to first place. And then they did the same exact thing to the sweets last night. Um So, yeah, it was really interesting uh, to watch that that U.S. team develop, and I think that they're trending the way that you want a team to trend in this tournament, as is Canada, because I think that they they played some of their best hockey against Finland as well.
1: Let's stick with the U.S. for a second, Trevor Zegras. Uh, you, you and I talked about it uh, a month ago when you were on the show. You know, I'm a big fan of Zegras. I'm, you know, expected to have, I expected him to have this sort of tournament. Leads the tournament right now in scoring, uh, so I don't think there's anything we need to say more about him, but. Uh, who is the next guy right now for the United States? In your opinion, who's having the best tournament for the Americans outside of Zegras?
0: Yeah, man, that's a that's a tough question because I think that 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 really up and down the U.S. lineup, you know, they've had a lot of guys step up. I think Cam York has had an underratedly good tournament. You know, he's he's one of the top scoring defensemen. He's the most utilized defenseman for Team USA. He's been better defensively than I thought that that he could be. You know, last time he was at the World Juniors, he was playing through injury um And barely played. He was essentially a power play specialist and he's the only returning defenseman. And the, the thing that I've always liked about Cam York's game is that he has just this, he, he has no panic to him. And he, you know, he's a California kid. You look at him off the ice and it looks like he doesn't have a care in the world. And then you see him on the ice and it's the same exact thing. He just, he, he he does not care about the pressure. He doesn't care about the physicality. You're you come at him. He's going to, you know, find a way to make the right play with the puck. And I think that he's been exceptional uh, for them in that way. Um, you know, up front, I, I also think, you know, he hasn't, the, the point total hasn't looked necessarily amazing so far, but Alex Cherkot has had a phenomenal tournament. Um, and I thought that he had his best game against Sweden, you know, was rewarded with a goal. Um, you know, he's been the center between Zygris and, and Arthur Kaliev, and, and he's the guy that disrupts everything for those other two guys to have the space to to create. And so I've, I've really liked him. And then, you know, the guy that uh, I think really has stood out, um is Matt Boldy as well yeah, and yeah. at both ends of the ice and and Boldy is you know last year he he was cut from the team he had basically he had a bad two months last season and that's really the worst two months of hockey that that he's probably played in his whole life and he doesn't make the team last year i thought they should have taken him anyway based on body of work um but then he comes out and his, he was one of the best players in college hockey in the second half he's playing alongside Alex Newhook starts the year this this year at Boston College with eight points in four games and then comes to the World Juniors and immediately starts dominating there too and I think it looks like the puck is glued to a stick I mean he's he's winning battles he's he's making plays and then you know he's playing with Cole Caulfield and Maddie Beneers and so he and Beneers are, are the guys that are fishing pucks and I think Caulfield's been kind of the guy that that gets the pucks into the zone for him and and I really like the balance of that line because, you know, Boldy's the skilled guy, but also a two-way guy. Veneers is kind of the the, the heat-seeking missile and, and the guy that's, you know, digging pucks. And then Caulfield, you know, even though he hasn't scored many goals, I think he's had a pretty good tournament. Um, and he's, you know, he's the guy that's kind of creating chances and, and, and making things happen. And it's it's opening things up for Boldy and Veneers as well because teams are very focused on shutting down Caulfield. So the whole thing kind of works. But, yeah, Matt Boldy um, – and I would also be remiss if I didn't mention Brett Berard, Brett who's been a third liner. He basically was a bubble guy to make this team. The last game that he played before he came to the World Juniors was Providence lost to Boston College nine to nothing. He was on the ice for eight goals against. <laughs> and yeah, and and I, you know, and I was like, wow, that's a tough way to go into camp. And then the U.S. lost a couple of forwards. I think you know, if Thomas Bordelois on this roster, if John Beecher's on this roster, I don't know if Brett Berard makes the team. But he's come in and he's been an outstanding player. He plays for Nate Lehman at Providence, and so he had complete trust in him. And then, he, but he didn't give anything to him. He had his his ice time has consistently gone up in the tournament, and it's because he's made plays. He's fishing pucks. He's battling. You know, I, I tweeted last night that I don't think there are very many contested pucks that he's been in the in the area for that he hasn't won. And so that's an, that's a very important thing to have on a team like this. You need your, you know, you need your star players to produce and guys like Zegris absolutely has. But if you can get production from your depth, you know, guys like Brett Berard, Bobby Brink, John Farinacci, they've had a, that those three guys are on the yeah. same line in the third line. They've been awesome in this tournament. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's very important for them.
1: I want to give a shout out to Brock Faber, a guy you didn't mention, but absolutely. Cam York is their number one blue liner, but I see this guy making plays all over the ice. Doesn't matter what zone he's in. And maybe he's a little bit uh, unheralded uh, for a lot of people, for the casual NHL fan, but uh, you know, second round pick, this is, he's having a really good tournament in my opinion.
0: You're absolutely right. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I, I mean really defensively there hasn't been a better player for the U S and I, you know, I think that the the thing that he does so well is, is just, you know, making plays in the defensive zone that, that creates the transition. um You know, he breaks up passes, he makes hits, you know, he, he, he separates players from pucks, he gets in the lanes and it just creates the opportunity for them to push the puck up ice. And he, he's got such great mobility. Like, I mean, his footwork is just unbelievable. And I think that that's true of him. That's true of Jake Sanderson. You know, it's true of Cam York, you know, they, they have just, incredible footwork and and that changes the way that that they are able to defend it changes the way they're able to contribute offensively um you know and I think Faber is a guy that you know they basically had him penciled in with Ryan Johnson who he plays with at Minnesota as the third pairing And there you know they were going to be a matchup pairing and and you know get it get out against tough 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 matchups and things like that but then he played so well that they needed to give him more ice time and they needed him with Cam York and now he's kind of can be like a safety safety net for when Cam York kind of tries to do things offensively Although I will credit Cam York for not really trying to do too much, which has been outstanding to see. It's a, a real gr- area of growth in his game. Um, but the maturity that Brock Faber plays with is just incredible. And, and I'm so glad you brought him up because I, you know, he kind of he easily slips the mind because he, he might not have the points, but then all of a sudden it's just like he is involved in every single thing. And I think that he's been really one of the unsung heroes of this U.S. team. He's got more points than Cole Caulfield does. <laughs> true.
1: true. <laughs> you, you know I'm always, it seems like I'm harping on him all the time, but, you know, what was it, the 11-0 win for the U.S. and he didn't have a point? I mean, that that was really surprising. And yet, watching the highlights, I didn't see that game from start to finish, but Caulfield was all over the ice in that one. He just seemed like he was snake bit.
0: Yeah, and, and that seems to be kind of the way the tournament has gone. It's really interesting to watch. Like, the U.S. is using him in a very unique role on the power play. They don't have him out for the shot. They have them in the, in the bumper role and, and, and they use them sometimes as a decoy. And sometimes he's, he's actually dictating some of the play from the middle. He's drawn defenders in and trying to open things up for Arthur Kalia for the one timer. And then you've also got Zegers on the other half wall and Boldy behind the net. So you've got, it's been, it's been fascinating to watch. So, so he's not exactly in a position to score a ton on the power play, which is where, you know, he obviously does a lot of damage um, but it's working because the U S power play has been one of the best in the tournament. And so it's, it's been fascinating to watch that. And, and, and then again, he has been all over the ice. I mean, he is making plays. Like there's, there's a lot of plays that he's made. He's getting after pucks. I think, you know, he's had some great moments where he's had steals on the back check. He said, you know, lifting guy sticks, he's making, so that's the thing that we needed to see from Cole Caulfield that we didn't see last year at this tournament. If he's not scoring, what is he doing? Right. That's always been a question for him. And, and in this tournament in particular, he's doing plenty. He's made, you know, he's carrying pucks into zones. He's playing with speed. He's, I think his skating is vastly improved. He's much stronger as well, has put on some weight. Um And that's helping him get through. Now he took a huge hit from Tobias Bjorn- Bjornfoot yesterday in the game against Sweden. And, he popped right back up, you know, it was, it was, it was one of the, one of the few zone entries where he was just absolutely stopped cold because, you know, if you have the puck, if he has the puck on his stick, it's usually going to get in the zone. So that's that, you know, that's the thing where, where he's been valuable. But yeah. So, I mean, and it is hard. I think for him, he's a guy that's just so numbers centric in terms of the way people see what he does. And and that's kind of how he was pre-draft. It's like you see 72 goals in one season and you expect them to, to drop all the time. But as we know you know, goal scoring is not necessarily the easiest thing. And I think in that Austria game in particular, they're just like, I don't know what this guy's going to have to do to buy a goal at this point. Um, you know, if you can't get one in that one, but I thought he's been, you know, he's, he's been a purposeful player in this tournament. And that's, that's, that's a good thing when he's not scoring.
1: Could be a guy that breaks out with a three or four point game. And I don't think anybody would, would be shocked by that right. either. He's that.
0: Uh, yeah, that happened. Like, basically, Johnny Goudreau was a ghost in in, uh, in the 2013 preliminary round. And then all of a sudden, he pops off for a hat trick. You know, I think he, he, he had a hat trick against the Czechs. And, like, he was very involved in the game against Canada. And it was just like, holy smokes. And then all of a sudden, he had, like, seven goals in a tournament. So, yeah. it was like, yeah. you know, like, that's the way it can go at the World Juniors for sure.
1: All right, last uh, thing to touch on uh, with the Americans before we move on, uh, the goaltending. Spencer Knight gets yanked in the, in the first game. Dustin Wolf comes in, finishes that one, and plays the next game and is perfect, hasn't allowed a goal. Uh, but Spencer was the number one guy coming in. He gets the net again and has looked pretty good. So pretty, I, I think the U.S. deserves a lot of credit for the way they handled that position. I think Wolf deserves credit because he's not upsetting the apple cart, even though he was perfect and probably feels like he deserves more opportunity, but realizing Knight was the guy and the way Spencer's been able to come back and get g- get his game back uh, is uh, really a, it's a credit to all everybody involved.
0: It, exactly. I think that this is, you know, it was kind of note perfect in terms of the way that it went. You, you know, obviously Spencer goes out, lays an absolute egg against Russia, you know, gave the puck away on a, on a yep. you know, he loves to play the puck. But sometimes he makes really bad mistakes. And it, it always shocks me because I think his hockey sense is incredible, and especially in his like, pre-shot mechanics and everything like that, where he's, you know, the way that he reads plays. Uh, but he had his head down. And he just threw a puck up the boards, and there was nobody there to get it <laughs> except for the Russian player, and then it's in the back of the net. So that, that was one of the worst games I've ever seen Spencer Knight play. I thought he was just just shaky and just didn't look right. He didn't even look right in the net you know, just in terms of the way that he was standing, you know, so the body language was even crazy. But, but, you know, the one thing that Nate Lehman said after that game, he's like, Hey, I've seen this in our league plenty of times where he has a, he has a bad game and the next, he, he has a shutout in the next two games. <laughs> Guess what happened? Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, his next two starts, they go with, they go with Wolf, which was always the plan in the second game. And then they, I think the plan was basically, we're going to go back to Spencer against the Checks." And then we'll make a decision after that because really it was Spencer's net to lose the whole time. And I think, you know, if you've been around the USA hockey people, that's always been true. And even I think Dustin Wolf has a complete understanding of that, but he's only going to go out there and continue to play and and stop pucks like he always does. And so, you know, so Spencer Knight is the first goalie in the history of USA hockey to to get back to back shutouts at the world juniors. And that just happened, you know, in the preliminary round. So, you know, that's, and he looked, super dialed in in the game against the Czechs and even more dialed in against the Swedes. And, and it's just, you know, his game, and he was playing the puck really well against the Swedes too. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like he was handling the four check and he was, you know, he was, he was making sure that, that the the Swedes couldn't get really anything established if there was a a foot race to the puck and he could be there first. Um, And so there were a lot of different things that he was able to do that, that helped them win that game. So, um, and you have to give credit to the coaching staff for sticking with what they know. And, and, you know, Nate Lehman is, has a lot of respect for Spencer Knight. He should, because Knights shut out the Friars two games in a row, right before the world juniors. And so, you know, there's really, until he gives you reason to doubt him and you would think that he did in the Russia game, but you had time to, you know, figure out if, if we can trust him again. And obviously they can now.
1: The U S gets Slovakia in the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, I think the U.S. obviously is heavy favorites in that one. Slovakia is getting good goaltending but can't seem to score at all. Basically five goals the entire uh, preliminary round. Um, Your prediction for this one, I would have to think, pretty strong behind the Americans?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have not seen a single thing from Slovakia that suggests that they are that much better than the Swiss or or the Austrians at this point. I mean, you know, the goaltending uh, has, has been there. You know, I, I think that I have faith in that. And that, as we've seen before, the Slovakian goaltender can steal a game. Uh, you can't say the name Dennis Godla around anybody, uh, Uh without, uh, you know, sending shivers down their spine. So, um, but yeah, but I think that, uh, that I think that this is a a very interesting, um, you know, this is the matchup that I think you would want if you're the U S in the, in the crossovers. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see this one as being particularly close.
1: All right. Well, if it goes the way we expect, the U.S. will play the winner between Sweden and Finland. Handicap that game. Uh, what do you see from both clubs uh, going into that that meeting of pretty? Uh, that's a pretty good rivalry between those two countries. So it's it's going to be an emotional one.
0: It it really is. And I you know I think that um, watching the way that Canada just systematically ruled over Finland yesterday was um, you know kind of. Indicative of what I, what I thought Finland was going to be in this tournament. The U.S. also played them in the preliminary, in the pre tournament games and, and, and were just far better. Um, and so I think that Sweden on paper is the better team. Uh, I, I really think the decor is so important for what Sweden can do. They have, you know, all those guys can move it. Even, even Philip Broberg at not, not at 100% has, has looked fine. And I don't think that Finland, with the exception of a couple of players, has the speed to really you know, kind of uh, take over, uh, take over the game in the transition. I think that's what the Swedes will do. They're they're, they're just better in transition, and and will make plays. That uh, you know, the the difference is probably going to be in the goaltending. I mean, Hugo Allen felt it was terrible last night against mm-hmm. the U.S. and um, and uncharacteristically so. And you wonder does Sweden go with Jesper Wallstedt, who didn't allow a goal when he came in in relief? Um, you know, so. It's, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens there. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the finished goaltending is not as strong as it, as it could be. Uh, Piranen has been fine. You know, I, I thought he did well against the onslaught from Canada for the most part. Yeah. Um, but you know, they have, they have Tapanen and, 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 you know, Blomqvist as well, who both, I mean, both could be good goaltenders, but yeah. So, you know, long story short in, in that one, you know, I, I think Sweden, as long as they, you know, are recovered from <laughs> these last two games, I, I, I don't see them, you know, falling uh, unless, you know, the Finns are able to get a great goaltending performance. Because we really haven't seen Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz break out yet either, and, and that's that's only a matter of time for those two.
1: Kind of similar to Cole Caulfield, where we're talking about guys who could suddenly just burst out for three or four points mm-hmm. in a game. I don't think we've seen the best of Raymond uh, or Holtz. Uh, Noel Gundler is the guy that I've been impressed with man that guy will shoot from anywhere and has got <laughs> yeah. four goals uh, in the tournament and they've all been I think they hit I know the, on the broadcast uh, that I was watching they'd kind of uh, played them all back to back and all off the bar and in that was uh, that was something
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the only one that wasn't was the the one that Colts like accidentally shot off his shin pad. That's right. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. And 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 he has just a tremendous release. That's never been a doubt. Like I think everybody knows that he can shoot the puck. I mean, his his U twenty numbers in the in the Swedish U twenty league, you know, his last year playing there was just were just cartoonish. I think he he averaged over a goal per game in that league. And um, you know, he's he's really. I've, I've been impressed with him because I think the work ethic has been there on top of the, the skill. Like he's digging for pucks. He's going, he's going hard on the four check. He's playing physically. Um, he's putting himself in good positions to score. And he is one of those guys that, you know, he can be a volume shooter, but I think he's shooting with purpose, um, in this tournament and, and, and certainly deadly. And then, you know, you just look at the guys in the back end too. And, and I, I think, you know, Soderstrom has had an up and down tournament and, uh, but you know, like, the, uh, those guys, Albert Johansson, I mean, they, they, they're so mobile, Emil Andre, they're, they're just, it, that's the thing that I think could really be the difference in the game. Cause I I've been, I've been a little less impressed with Finland's defense. I think, you know, I've really liked, um, Topi Nimala in the tournament. Um, haven't loved Ville Han- Hanola a ton. Uh, uh, you know, I think that he's been okay, but he he looked like he got injured in their last game as well. So, uh, you know, I think that the defenses could really end up being the difference. And that's where I see Sweden having distinct advantage.
1: Other guy from Sweden uh, to mention, uh, for me at least, is uh, the big number 25, Elmer Soderblom. Uh, what a beast oh, he is. Him.
0: Holy cow. <laughs> he's got that reach and he's, uh, what is it? How big is he? He's like just over 6'7". Oh, that's like, so, ridiculous. so he's like between 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, yeah, he looks like a cartoon character out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially, so, I mean, at this age, there's, there's guys who are 5'9 and 160 pounds. And then you have that monster cruising around. Yeah. It uh, really stands yeah. out under the
0: ice. I'm, I'm such a huge fan of his. And I have like the first time I saw him was at the under 18 worlds two years ago when Sweden won gold. And I'm like, here's you know, here's this big six, eight guy. He was a little raw, you know, like the skating stride was a little clumsy, but his hands were f- fantastic. I'm like the guy, the puck is just glued to this guy's stick and he can dangle and he can, he can make plays. And, and it's been, it's been awesome to see him kind of flourish because I think his skating has improved. His strength has improved his, his net sense and just his ability to, to, to be in front and not just be a screen, but to be a weapon at the net front with quick hands. You know, he scored a between the legs goal on a jam play, you know, like he, he can do all kinds of different things that, that I think really um, excite me as a prospect. And so like, he was a guy I didn't have him in like my top 100 draft rankings, but I always would do like this extra, list of players that I liked mm-hmm. from the draft class that I just didn't like enough to put in the list. And he was on there because of, you know, when you're that big and you have hands that good, you got a chance, you know, and, and the skating has really come along. And I think that he is a guy that could be an impact player uh, down the line here. And certainly a, a, a great get, you know, as a late draft tech for uh, for the Detroit Red Wings. So a lot, a lot of, a lot of Swedes, uh, heading to Detroit in the not too distant future. No
1: kidding. What have you made of, uh, Brad
0: Lambert with, uh, Finland? Oh boy. You know, what a, what a talent. You know, I think the skating, the, the, the hockey sense, uh, the hands, you know, I think he's, you know, probably one of the most skilled players on his team right now. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see what he looks like with a, you know, some more weight, you know, just throwing on a little more weight and just as long as he can keep that speed. And, um, you know, he's, he's as good as advertised. And, you know, I thought that, he, he's he's a guy that that has earned everything that he's gotten by just being you know always one of the best and and I I think that he's going to be an exceptional talent certainly a guy that we'll be watching as a potential number one you know I know that the competition is a lot stronger in the next couple of years for the number one pick
1: yeah
0: uh, then I then I think I mean this year there's strong competition but the the talent level is low, you know kind of a, a bit lower than what we've seen in in, in other years. And you know when you got guys like Brad Lambert and Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, and, and uh, Matt Vej in the next two two upcoming drafts after this, you know, like there's there's a lot of competition out there.
1: Uh, you surprised at all that uh, Joel Blumquist hasn't uh, got a sniff of the net for Finland?
0: A, a little bit, but you know I think it's it's tough because you know you you look at kind of he 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 was very good at the the under eighteen five nations if I recall correctly. Um, from his draft year. And that really was where he started topping up draft boards. And, um, you know, but, you know, I, 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 I hadn't seen a ton of Piranin in, a, in the last little while. And I think that he's been more than equal to the task. Um, I think there've been several questionable decisions by the Finnish staff in general, um, including, you know, I, I don't know the details of why Patrick Priestola is not here. I, yeah. I don't know the details of why Atu Ratu isn't here. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think that Ratu in particular was just a straight cut. Um, and, you know, f- to, to, in Finland's defense, he's been very average at best throughout the season. Um, so, yeah, so it's just, it's tough. You know, I think that they, they don't have their best roster. And I don't know if necessarily they always have their best lineup decisions. But, um, you know, Blomquist not getting into a game is, is really, uh, really, kind of funny to me you know. i just don't really see i think he's a talented goaltender but i don't you know i i don't think that they're he's so good that he that they're making like a huge mistake by leaving him out
1: who wins that game
0: i think sweden does i think sweden i think on the drop you know or Wallstedt steps in and i think they'll they'll have the advantage in the goaltending and also in the defense and and i think we'll see the tarot twins pop off so i'll, I'll go sweden
1: all right, so will I, and that would set up uh, U.S. and uh, Sweden uh, to get into the gold medal game. That'll be exciting as well. All right, let's look at the other side, and uh, Canada wins their pool. And uh, as you mentioned, that, that performance yesterday, the first 40 minutes for sure, uh, might have been the, best, the most dominating performance at the World Juniors that I've seen in quite some time. That, they were all over Finland. Uh, what have you made of Canada from the start of this event to up to now?
0: Just a powerhouse. You know, I just like top to bottom, amazing. Um, you know, and I think the the questions about what the goaltending was going to look like, I think Devin Levi's answered all of them. Um, he's he's been great. He hasn't been overly tested, uh, but I think that he's played very well, and and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, I think the only the only concern for Canada at this point is the 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 uh, you know the adversity that they've had has been kind of in the injury department. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't you Kirby docks out, we don't know what's going to happen with Alex Newhook. I think that could be a significant loss, to, you know, just but but I think that this has this team has the depth to absorb any losses. You know, when you can have like uh Connor Zari or if you can have Jack Quinn as your, you know, 13th forward, you know, it's, it's pretty good a pretty good position to be in. Um, you know, I think obviously Dylan Cousins has been the highlight in terms of his play, just an absolute game to game dominance. Um, you know, the speed, the strength, the, the, just the ability to get on, on pucks. I mean, how many pucks has he turned over for, for, you know, I mean, or forced, you know, taken away, I should say from other teams and, and created offense and immediately in transition. I mean, it's just been phenomenal to watch. And, you know, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think Russia is one of those teams that has the makeup and the structure when they're when they're at their best to at least compete and to to slow things down a little bit um, and play, you know, match physicality. But, you know, I, I don't think there are many other teams that can kind of compare from, you know, player to player with this Canadian team. And, and it just seems like every position there, they're absolutely loaded.
1: And uh, the speed is, uh, I think, what oh. stood out to me the most is that I don't know if there's a for team sure. that can that can keep up with them. I think Russia's pretty quick though too, and if they uh, happen to meet, which I I think we probably expect that will be uh, a collision that happens. Um, yeah, to this point, I think Canada's been the fastest team in the tournament. I asked you with the U.S. other than Trevor Zegers, uh, who's been the player that stood out for you with Canada? You mentioned Dylan Cousins. Who's the next guy that's kind of caught your eye?
0: Yeah, you know, Cousins is certainly you know, number one, but I, I think, I think really it's between Bo and Byram and Jamie Drysdale is just elite, elite defensemen that can move, that can move pucks. You know, I think that you need, at the world juniors, I think your decor is so important in terms of how they, how they help you in transition, how they, you know, how they control your defensive zone. And then also just, you know, the way that they get pucks, up and 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 the reason that Canada can play as fast as they can is because they have defensemen like Byram and and Drysdale um you know I I think I think both of them have have really shown that they can they can move pucks and get pucks to the net they can you know kind of do everything that you need them to do and and so they're they're certainly up there I mean obviously you know I think Byfield has been you know awesome over the last two games and in particular and you know, they have a lot of forwards. I really liked McMichael throughout the tournament. Uh, I thought New Hooks played well. Like, I mean, you just go down the list. And yeah. It's hard to pick the next best guy, but I, I really think that it's so important to have your decor. So I'll, I'll say Byron.
1: I'm going Phil Tomasino. I I've really liked I him love it. right from the get go. <laughs> and when Kirby Dock was first hurt, uh, and uh, it, the question was, oh, what do you do on that top line? I said, well, first off, there's 13 forwards on this team who are our first-line players on their own club team, so you could take anybody from any position uh, on the (laughs) Canadian roster and put them there, and it wouldn't look out of place. But I thought Phil Tomasino could have been that guy. But that line, that combo with he and Dawson Mercer together, I think are just they've been really impressive. Uh, Now they've been playing with Ryan Suzuki, and he's kind of been the third guy on that line. But uh, I really like Tomasino. Somebody asked me if he uh, is... Claude Giroux like and I thought that was a pretty good comparison. Mm. I'm a Flyers guy so Giroux's one of my favorite players but uh, I liked the, I've liked what I've seen from Tomasino and Peyton Krebs I thought has had a a bit of a a breakout yeah. in this tournament too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean and they do they do so many things right and I I love Tomasino. I've I've been a huge fan of him since his draft here and and I, and I think you know when when we were looking at the the roster, he was the 14th forward when Kirby before Kirby Dot got hurt. I don't think he played in the right uh, in, in the pre tournament game. That's right. And so you do that. You're talking about a hundred point guy in the OHL that might not <laughs> might not play, and then suddenly comes in and he's just scoring at will. Um, and and I think guys like him and Krebs in particular. It's not just that they're skilled players. It's that their work ethic is such that they are going to get pucks. They're going and Dawson Mercer, same way. They're going to get pucks. They're going to do what they if they don't have it, they're going to find a way to get it. And and they they go to the right places. They they're super smart. They have the speed. You know, so it's just yeah, I I think, you know, if you if you like watching quality junior hockey, um, it really doesn't get much better than this Canadian team. And and that's why I can't wait until we get into the really the semifinals to where we can finally see them challenged um, and just see, see what that looks like. Because I don't think it will be much of a even, – even the best teams are going to have a hard time challenging them.
1: Well, and the Czechs, kind of like Slovakia, they've allowed more goals than they have scored uh, themselves. So when they're going up against Canada, you know the, the goaltending will be good, but definitely going to be under pressure and under fire. Do they have enough offense to be competitive against Canada? Fair enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think so. And they, they, they just, you know, they don't have, they don't, they don't even have like a suitcell. You know, they don't have a suit, like a guy like that that can like pop, pop a few in for you. I just don't think they have that. And, and if you don't have that, like, you know, you think about Nico Heischer and, and Switzerland a few years ago, they almost upset the U.S. Right. with just Heischer alone. Um, and I do think that the, the most important player for, the checks. I, I assume it'll be Lucas Parikh getting the start. I assume that, um, and he has game stealing ability, but it, it, he would have to have the game of his life because he's going to probably see 50 shots. So, um, yeah, I just don't think that the that the checks have any any chance matching up. They can really gum up the neutral zone and they can gum up the defensive zone, but they can't. They, their counter punch is just not there.
1: All right, the other uh, game in the quarterfinal, uh, man. If uh, if they were playing in front of fans this year, the crowd would be behind Germany, like oh. <laughs> like they were uh, for the Slovaks uh, in what was it, Toronto or Montreal, the year when the uh, Godla was in net, uh, and uh, yep, the fans yep. were so supportive of of that squad. This story though with Germany and going up against Russia, this will be a. It might end up being a very one-sided game, but I, I do you see a, a potential for a. And a shocking upset here? Could Germany actually test the Russians? I mean,
0: they they're gonna need such phenomenal goaltending to do it. Um, I don't know how good Florian Bugle really is uh, in terms of being able to steal a game for his team. But you know, I think the the important thing is that you know, if you, you got to mix in the saves and you have to have you know your you know Stutzla and Paterka to put their capes on um and, and carry this team. They've shown that they can do that. Um, it's going to take a lot. You know, I think that one of the things that's really going to challenge Germany is I don't think they have a very fleet of foot decor and you need that against Russia. Russia's really good in transition. They're also, they're also good at stopping the transition. I think their transition defense as a, as a group is, is outstanding, especially you know, on the back end, their D are ready to step up and they always have guys above the puck. Um So that'll be really difficult um, for, for Germany, you know, but you know, basically it's one line against you know the entirety of the Russian team and so i i think that germany is going to keep it close i don't think it's going to be necessarily be a blowout but i think the russians just have you know they have a little too much and i think that we saw you know when they overwhelmed sweden very early in that game um if they do that to germany more pucks are going to go into the net uh just because of the the difference between the defense on on both teams and the and the goaltending on both teams so that's the thing that I think is is concerning for uh, you know for going forward, uh, but yeah, but I, I I mean I I certainly you know like I I I really like the way this Russian team plays, but I think everybody would love to see Germany shock the world. I mean it's not you know it's nothing against Russia. It's just like what a story that would be for you know Tim Stutzla and JJ Paterka to carry their team to you know a potential colossal upset at the world juniors and and put themselves in a position to play for a medal you know so that's it's it's just uh it's pretty incredible to see how far that team has come given the circumstances that they were faced with at the beginning uh but when you cross over into the group b <laughs> the, the 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 meat grinder that was group b and your fourth place team is the czech republic and your third place team your second place team is is uh russia I mean that's just a, that's a whole other ball of wax that, that I don't think Germany quite has the firepower for.
1: You just wonder if getting to this point was enough for them, and it's you know uh, if they can ramp it up even more than uh, they've had to to get to this point if they have anything left in the tank. Um, it's uh, a monumental task to upset Russia, uh, but every fan on the planet uh, who's not uh, carrying a Russian passport uh, is going to be cheering for them. Uh, I'm not sure in that one. All right, we're both picking Russia. We're both picking Canada. Who do you like to get to the gold medal game on the both sides, Chris?
0: You know, I think it's we're, we're headed for a collision between the U.S. and Canada um, in, in this crazy game. You know, I, I think that Canada is just a little too overwhelming um, for, for everybody that they could potentially play in the semis. Um, and we've seen them just kind of steamroll. And I, I think, you know, in terms of a speed matchup, I'm excited to see what that looks like between the U.S. and Canada. Um, I think that both teams... You know, I said Canada has pound for pound, the, you know, the fastest team here. Um, and, and certainly, uh, with that includes the U.S. I think the U.S. has a few D that, you know, could get turned around a little bit against, uh, against a team with that kind of speed. So, um, fascinating to see. I think it'd be a great match. Obviously having Spencer Knight between the pipes for the U.S. That's the big, you know, kind of X factor. Uh, but you know, and I think that what we saw against them playing against Sweden, I just I just think that the U.S. has a little bit more than what Sweden can offer um, offensively, and then also has the goaltending advantage as well. So um, that's why I think that it'll be U.S. and Canada in the in the final. And I mean, I I think that the the safe money is on Canada, but I, I do think that the U.S. and U.S. and Russia are really the only two teams in this tournament that I think has a chance against Canada. Um, and and you know, I, I just think that that's kind of where we're at you know you, you have to hope that that Devin Levi holds up under more pressure than he's been under at any point in this tournament in in the semis and the quarter and and in the finals um that's really the only x factor because we know that the rest of that team is up to the task and, and I think based on what Devin's done so far you can't really doubt him uh because he looks very sharp so uh yeah so I think that'll be a U.S. Canada final which uh you know, certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't hurt uh, me at all. I'd be, I'd be happy to see that because I think there are two great teams.
1: Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting the same uh, final and probably the same result that you were alluding to, and then it'll just be decided um, the the all stars of the tournament. And um, I don't. I think it's pretty close in all the all positions at this point. I don't know that we could say who's the top goalie or the top defenseman or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> at this point, we'll see. Yeah. The next uh, three games for each team, or the uh, gold medal, uh, the finalists, will get to play three more games. So lots to still be decided. We'll look ahead to next year. You, uh, it's back here in Edmonton. If uh, if we're back to normal, and knock on wood, hopefully that we are. Are you making the trip up?
0: I as long as I have a job, yeah. That's <laughs> so. right.
1: <laughs> Sore <laughs> spot. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah, no, it's all right. I mean, yeah, I I, th- I think that. Uh, I, I, I certainly want to be there. I mean, I, I had a great time at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. That was my first time in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago. And that was, you know, I really enjoyed that. And I, I love to go back. I mean, I've got, I've got heavy coats. I'm from the Midwest. I got thick blood. I can do it. Um, I'm a little more concerned about, uh, Novosibirsk in a couple of years. And and uh, I heard, the, the, the temperatures there are, uh, are, are quite a bit lower than Edmonton. So, uh, so, yeah, but, uh, but I think that, yeah, all, all things considered, if I have, if I have some gainful employment and somebody that would like to send me to the World Junior Championship, I will absolutely be there. Um, if I don't, then I will gladly cover it from my couch. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, we'll hope, we're hoping for brighter things in 2021. And, and certainly being at the World Juniors is one of those things I'm hoping is on, uh, is on my schedule come, uh, come December of next year. Or so, or this year, I guess now uh so yeah yeah I, I hope so bud it'd be great to see you again that
1: would be awesome uh chris really appreciate your time uh enjoy the rest of the tournament thanks for doing this that was outstanding
0: yeah my pleasure thanks for having me Guy, and happy new year
1: all right great job chris peters from espn and boy i stuck my foot in the, my mouth at the end there i i we know that uh his tenure at espn is uh up and i believe that's in uh, february he told me i uh, told my brain fart at the end, my apologies to Chris. We joked about it afterwards, but there, there's a guy. You know he's going to get snapped up by somebody. Something big is going to come his way because he's, he's just too good at what he does uh, to not be uh, covering prospects uh, for somebody. So somebody is going to get themselves a really great uh, addition uh, to what they do. Always appreciative when Chris is on the show. That's it for this week's episode. It's, uh, it's uh, basically going to be a one-hour show here as we're just right in the middle of the World Junior, so we wanted to recap what's happened, look ahead to what's still to come. Uh, four games tomorrow. And isn't that interesting how, you know, in, the, the, in uh, the last number of years, Pool A and Pool B have been in two different locations. Is this year proving that maybe we can do it all in one building? It might not be ideal. I think maybe the ice might be getting chopped up a little bit, but and tomorrow with four games, that'll be interesting. But maybe we don't need to have the World Junior in shared by two cities. Something to think about uh, moving forward. Because, listen, they're, they're doing it here in Edmonton. Three games in a day. Who hasn't liked that? Uh, I think it's worked out really well. Sure miss the fans, though. And I think everybody would agree uh, with that, that the fans uh, make this event even better. I mean, the hockey is normally really, really good. More blowouts this year than I think we're used to. But there's going to be some really good games here coming up. Should be an exciting finish uh, to the 2021 World Junior Championship. Now, normally we would have had the question of the day and all of those things. I will remind you that uh, my guest today, Chris Peters, joined me via the Troubled Monk hotline. I tweeted a picture of me as I was watching one of the Russian games. Uh, and I was enjoying an insane in the lane brain Imperial Russian stout, which I don't think it's actually available right now from Troubled Monk. The ones that I have are from uh, a shipment a couple of, a couple of months ago that I got uh, delivered right to my door. Free delivery, everybody, if you use the promo code PIPELINE. If you're in Alberta, get your order in early. 8 a.m., you'll still get it the same day. If not, you'll get it the next day. But when you uh, place your order at troubledmonk.com, use promo code PIPELINE, and it's free delivery for you. Uh, But that's one of my favorites. It's a strong beer, for sure. It's actually brewed inside of, uh, I think it's whiskey kegs. Uh, And it definitely uh, changes the flavor. It makes it strong. But uh, quite enjoyable. I have a couple of taster packs that I'm going to tap into here to start 2021. And I will tell you that uh, next week on the show, we'll, we'll get a little bit more back to normal. The NHL is uh, going to be starting up right away. And the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is uh, trying to get going again here in a couple of weeks. College hockey continues on, although there's been more postponements and things like that. Uh, and the USHL still trying to play. No word yet on the OHL or the WHL or leagues like the bchl and the aj for that matter but we'll stay on top of that we'll also start doing some 2021 draft spotlight segments all that coming up here in january and in throughout the rest of the season 16 here on the pipeline show but because i took last week off for christmas i definitely wanted to have this show in the middle of the world junior to go over what we've seen and what's to come and wish everybody a very happy 2021 We're not through the pandemic yet, but uh, the light is at the end of the tunnel. Don't let up. Stay vigilant. Keep washing your hands and the social distancing, wearing your mask. Get the vaccine when it gets to you. And hopefully, maybe by the summer, we can uh, get back to closer to being normal. Wouldn't that be fantastic? All right, everybody. Happy New Year, wherever you're joining me from. And we will talk to you next week here on The Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. See ya.